the technical information stays with you as long as you're reading the article. And once you put the article down, it's gone. Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet at WFPR.FM and in the local Franklin Mass area FM dial at 102.9. Here today for another session of trying to make sense of climate with my guide, Ted McIntyre. Ted, how are you doing today? I am doing peachy keen. It's a gorgeous June day out there. The breezes are blowing. It's lovely. Very lovely. It, it is lovely concerning it as well to the extent that and i don't want to be the downer but i think there's a few downers in our conversation coming along the way because there's no precipitation in the forecast our drought level just got raised to two yesterday (laughs) no it's a real it's a real thing and and droughts come and go but the the new normal is that there is no normal right we are changing things from a climate perspective in a way that's not going to some new stable condition it's just going to go hurtling off into some crazy new place so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and the 10-day outlook says you know no significant precipitation so on the one hand you know when fourth of july weekend rolls around which is rapidly (laughs) and the fourth of july festival happens and the fourth and the fireworks return after a couple of years of covid that's all good not to have rain. But on the other hand, <laughs> we do need rain sometime. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, let, let's 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 see how long it takes to warm Chilson Beach up to 99 degrees and the bacteria right. come floating in, right? Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Then you won't have that as a, a safe swimming abode to cool off. <laughs> such trials, such trials. But that's why we're trying to make some sense of it. And mm-hmm. I think we want to start. Boston was the site of a conference convention of some sort of gas companies and providers. Yeah, well, there's an article in the Globe we can put up a link to by our the admirable Sabrina Shankman, right, who tracks these things. Right? It right. turns out that in and I'll, I'll give the context for the whole thing, but there was a a conference, and I, I looked at the name. It's the 27th annual gathering gathering of the Northeast local distributor company gas forum okay this is basically an industry club fine every industry you know Mm -hmm. conferences industrial conferences are 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 a good thing people get together and talk right this was a was notable because of the role that the local the ldc the local distribution companies for for the gas which is like eversource and whatnot Mm -hmm. right the ldc's the role that they are playing in the formation and execution of the Massachusetts roadmap, which is the continuing obsession, right? <laughs> the, the, the monomania that I have about, mm-hmm. you know, where are we on the roadmap to right. getting to our 2030 goals? And sure. just very briefly, the, the Massachusetts has passed a, um, a plan, a roadmap, a plan for transitioning the state to lower emissions uh, by with targets in the year 2030 and 2050, where we will be producing less carbon dioxide. All very good, right? And the many of our discussions in this series of podcasts has been around where do we, where do we, in quotation marks, the citizens of Massachusetts, the state of Massachusetts, where do we stand vis-a-vis achieving these goals? What are the mm-hmm. problems? What are we trying to do? So again, this is all uh, as preamble. About two years ago. Attorney General Healy saw the roadmap, said, we need a plan 
that if by the year 2050, there will be no more local gas distribution companies, if the LDCs are going to disappear because they're inherently incompatible with the roadmap, mm-hmm. if they're going to disappear by 2050, we need a plan, right? Nothing How happens without a plan. This? How are we going to do that? So Attorney General Healy uh, asked the DPU, the Department of Public Utilities, which basically manages the LDCs. Don't you, don't you love the alphabet soup of this, yeah, right? You have yeah. to, I mean, it's kind of scary when you start to they roll off your tongue as if you actually know what you're talking about, right? And the AG asked the DPU to talk to the LDCs. Attorney General asked the, um, the people, the state bureaucracy that runs the gas distribution companies or oversees them to make a plan. Of course, what the what the Department of Public Utilities did was basically to cede complete authority for planning to the local distribution companies themselves. And they said, here, Mr. Fox, please guard the hen house. Mm. I'm searching for metaphor, right? But, you know, please tell me how you're going to, uh, you know, close your business down. And of course, the LDCs don't want to do that. So the, uh, and this, we've touched on this, but it bears repeating the, L, the LDC, the local distribution companies, make their money. They get paid a fixed rate of return for investing in the infrastructure, which is a busy word, you know, a fancy word for saying the pipes that distribute the natural gas. Right? That's how they make their money. Yeah. And so their interest is in maintaining the existence of those pipes. And that's how they're going to make money forever. So the plan that the gas distribution companies made up to answer the Department of Public Utilities about how they're going to become greener, essentially said they are going that the distribution companies are now going to number one, collect methane from landfills in Massachusetts, right? In other words, all the big pile of stuff that smells of gas as you drive mm-hmm. by, they're going to try and collect that gas and give it to you. And they are going to mix in some hydrogen, which of course does not have any carbon in it. And that's going to make the gas that you use in your house greener and wonderful. And please pay me a lot of money to fix up the pipe, the gas pipelines to bring hydrogen into your home. And that's how we're all going to go to 2050. And so that was the plan. And of course, this conference that we started talking about that happened of the, the 27th annual gathering of the Northeast LDC Gas Forum mm. basically was a party where these people all got together and told themselves what a good plan they have and how they're going to be green and virtuous in the year 2050 by giving us methane from landfills and add mix in hydrogen. And if you read the article, it is quite frustrating to see the lack of awareness, I guess, or the self-serving nature of these companies, what they are planning to do. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, with a straight face, they'll, they will say, oh, natural gas that comes out of a, a landfill is renewable natural gas. Isn't that a great name, right? So it's a marketing name. Mm-hmm. If the methane comes out of the natural gas, uh, comes out of a, a landfill, it's still natural gas. <laughs> when you burn it, there's still carbon. It still leaks from the pipes. It still gives you a a greenhouse gas effect, it's basically a marketing ploy to, if you're dumb enough to accept it, to say, oh yeah, renewable gas, right? That hmm. sounds like a good thing. Yeah. They want, and, and they want to mix in hydrogen, which we will talk about a little bit later in the show, I hope. But I mean, mixing in hydrogen is basically a bad idea from 
multiple perspectives, not the least of which being a health perspective. But, well, wasn't there such a thing as a hydrogen bomb? There was a hydrogen <laughs> bomb. I, there was the Hindenburg. There was a hydrogen bomb. There's all kinds of, I think the most relevant, maybe the most relevant thing for explosive safety of hydrogen goes back to sometime in the mid-1960s. In the mid so in, in in I'm a physicist, so I was I went to graduate school in the 70s. Mm-hmm. In the 60s at Harvard, they had what was called the, the physicist, the physics department had what was called a cloud chamber, right? Which is a thing that you've probably seen pictures of it if you're of a certain age, right? Mm-hmm. Where the atomic particles go through a cloud and they leave this funny little track and you can take a picture of it and it's all really cool. What the way they would do that is to have pressurized hydrogen, right? Or, or hydrogen sort of supersaturated in a container, uh, and they could watch the cosmic rays go through and do physics studies. Well, I guess the mix of hydrogen and air in that chamber was just right. It blew up and killed two graduate students, right? Meaning that put the Hindenburg aside, atomic bombs were not. When all honesty, we're not talking about mm-hmm. hydrogen bombs, but right. I mean, hydrogen is explosive at the correct combination. And so it's and the hydrogen leaks more readily through the cracks that already exist in all of your pipes. Right. And so it's not a good deal. And, a, and the quote natural gas has been known to explode in a few places too. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I mean, putting the two and two together just doesn't sound as green and as safe as we would like it to be. It's it's not as green and it's not as safe. And as I say, there's a we can detail a bunch of a bunch of reasons. I think just it's an interesting question. There are there's a whole catalog, a laundry list of why mixing hydrogen into um, landfill methane is a bad idea. But what mm-hmm. happens is you start to list up these hundred reasons. Everyone's eyes glaze over, right? Because right. who can absorb the fact that that hydrogen is itself a greenhouse gas, right? And that's going to leak, and it, it it leaks more readily through the small holes of the natural gas. Mm-hmm. People, you know, it becomes too much. We should list those, but the bottom line is, it is a bad idea mm-hmm. to mix hydrogen with your natural gas. And from this conference that happened in Boston, it's clear that the local distribution companies have almost an arrogance and a contempt for the idea that you should be smart enough to say that's a bad idea. They are convinced that this is, I mean, they don't call it, a, they don't call people like me a climate activist. We're the opposition, hmm. right? Yeah. And we're just stirring the pot. The opposition is actively pushing a climate agenda in the regulatory process. Um, she urged the people in the audience to push back. We have to remind policymakers that they are still grounded in natural gas as a foundational fuel. So this is the propaganda, these guys, that natural gas, God gave us natural gas, and we must burn it, right? And I'm afraid there are people that actually believe this sort of divinely inspired thing. But they say stuff like, natural gas, we're always going to have with us. It's foundational. Mm -hmm. If if you accept that, then it is, right? Right. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. But if you say- As opposed to, there's other opportunities, and we've discussed and spent some time in a prior episode about reutilizing that infrastructure so it's not lost to waste, but doing something more natural like geothermal through that to the home, which would be much safer and much more green as opposed to continuing with their schemes. So, yeah. And and, it's, it's, uh, I guess what I would 
if you're listening to this podcast, I would urge you to go to the website, pull down the link for this article in the Globe. When you read it, it is so somewhat breathtaking. The the commitment, as I said, the self-serving commitment. These mm-hmm. guys, their their goal. When you read it, and you say their goal is to keep these pipelines alive. And and just as an aside, there's so many interesting sidewalls here, <laughs> side paths. We've talked in the past about something called the gas safety. GSEP, GSEP, something program, gas safety improvement program. Okay. Right. Which was supposed Which is, to fix all those leaks, right? It's a $40 billion, $40 billion program that will run through 2050 that these guys want to take advantage of. So instead of reducing methane leaks and fixing stuff and finding a path out of the climate crux win. These guys want to take that $40 billion and line their own pockets for the next 30 years selling you hydrogen gas, which is a bad idea. Mm. I, is, I mean, I get outraged to the point where people probably would say, uh, he's too worked up, right? Mm. Don't listen to him. He's, but I urge you to read the article and, and, and read it with a little bit of skepticism about this, the, whose interest is being served at this conference. Right. And for the listeners in the show notes, there will be the links, I believe, for the Franklin Matters readers. I did share that article earlier, but it will be in the show notes for sure. And I think this gives us a segue in because, uh, coincidentally, just after that conference, and it may simply have been in their normal scheme of things, National Grid uh, put out a press release saying, we've filed our plan with DPU, etc., and it has some of those very same terminologies, using the methane, using the hydrogen, using et cetera. And oh, by the way, you as citizens have an opportunity to comment on uh, the veracity of our plan and weigh in through July, end of July. 29th, I think. Yes. 29th, yeah, end of July. So as an action item, if you don't think that's too good, clearly <laughs> we have an opportunity, that link to their plan and the form there is a form. That's okay. But you can provide the comments and uh, hopefully weigh in and, uh, it, and it, give it, some uh, feedback. Feedback. Yes. I, I think part of that public comment period, from what I saw, is also about the geothermal program, right? Which is the flip side of the let's all use hydrogen. The flip side, as we touched on before, is, we don't, is the idea of installing heat pumps and then supporting the optimal operation of heat pumps by providing fixed temperature water through those pipes or some sort of coolant fluid, right? Mm -hmm. And that this is much, much more compatible with a climate future and that National Grid has, in a sense, been forced to take on this, these pilot projects. I think there's one in Framingham, right? Right. Uh, Those are good things. But you mean, I, I think that the baby step of at least thinking about it, could I make a comment, right? As a listener, you say, well, you go look at that. You can submit a comment. Everyone can, right? And as long as you don't threaten violence, you can say anything you want. And mm-hmm. you should say, I, I don't think this is a good idea. And let the DPU know that you care. I think the most important thing is that, that the bureaucracy that runs these things is aware that people are watching. Right? Yeah. And so. Democracy dies in darkness, I think is the Washington Post mm-hmm. tagline. Right. Mm-hmm. So we need to keep the light in the right places. <laughs> and, and, and and I I have I've said it before, I guess I will continue to say it, but I mean the 
the days are dark, right? In, in the sense of achieving our goals, but action makes you feel better. So yeah. if you just yeah. want to feel better doing something, you say, oh, I, I, took a, I, I took a step. It's an important thing to help you get out of a feeling of helplessness, right? right. That, that you're just watching these big forces at play and you're a fly on it. No, no, no. You're a part of it and you can participate. No. Mm -hmm. Yep, definitely. And it was another group that had published, I think it was uh, the Physicians for Social Responsibility. Yes, yes. Um, so had come up with another PDF, which we will have the link to and share that doc because it is shareable and it goes effectively point by point and says, no, 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 no. don't go that way. <laughs> don't go to hydrogen. Yeah, it's it's quite an effective route. So the uh, Boston, so the Physicians for Social Responsibility, PSR, is a nationwide organization. Right. Uh, there are chapters throughout the country. Physicians for Social Responsibility, I think, for a long time, have been worried about nuclear um, nuclear war was one of the big things. But yeah. they're also public health related. And why would physicians be caring about hydrogen and methane? Because increasingly, the health impact of burning methane and, in fact, the health impacts of using hydrogen are. It's a medical issue. Right. Yes. And so, again, that we say climate connects to everything. It's connecting to uh, the health of people um, in their homes. And that's why the physicians are involved. And they put together a report. And the name of the report is telling. The report, name of the report is uh, Hydrogen Pipe Dreams. Right? <laughs> so they're, they're going right back at the LDCs and saying, you know, you guys, uh, not so many words, but uh, you get your head where the sun doesn't shine. Mm -hmm. right? It's um, and so what they so in fact, as you say, the report will be there, but the executive summary is no more than two pages, and it yeah. punches hard, right? It's got everything right in it, yep. and if you read those two pages, you will have a pretty good grounding in what the heck's going on, right? And why hydrogen and the mixing of hydrogen and methane is. Uh, not such a good idea. There is a little vocabulary lesson in the um, in the introduction, and I will very very briefly repeat it because these things. Let me just go sideways again for a second. There was a report, a study that said, "How long does scientific information about climate change news stay with people who read it? Right? How long does how long how how big an impact does being told a scientific fact?" about climate change stay with you. And the article basically concluded the the scientific, the technical information stays with you as long as you're reading the article. And once you put the article down, it's gone. People forget, right? And so it's hard to, so yeah, it's good to keep sort of returning to what the basic ideas are. Hydrogen is a gas, but hydrogen is very, you never get hydrogen by itself it's always hydrogen, paired with something always stuck on something that's the way the chemistry works right mm -hmm. so in order to get to the hydrogen you have to basically break it off something else and and the classy thing is you have to take water which is h2o two hydrogens one oxygen you have to break the water in half and now you get your hydrogen right you have to put energy into the water to get the hydrogen out and then that's when hydrogen becomes a usable fuel mm. but there are the ways that you certainly for the local distribution companies talking about using hydrogen the way they're going to get that hydrogen is by taking methane from 
Marcellus Shale in Pennsylvania and doing a process called steam reforming. So they take the they take the natural gas out of the ground, they mix it with pressurized steam, and lo and behold, what pops out of that is free hydrogen. You capture that hydrogen. Now you say, oh, I've got this nice, clean mm -hmm. hydrogen, <laughs> but except that you've got all the mess of the methane leftovers, right, that come out of it. So that is basically gray hydrogen. So they're assigned color. Gray hydrogen comes from methane. It's terribly bad for the climate. Blue hydrogen is this nice name they've tried to make up with a the, the industry pretends that it's going to capture the carbon dioxide from the methane that you just steam reformed. Okay. So there's gray and blue hydrogen, both are very dirty. And then there's something called green hydrogen, which is, as I said before, you take water, you take your electricity from the windmill, you crack the water, you break it into its component, now you get hydrogen. That has no carbon dioxide in it. That's good. Problem with the green hydrogen is it is like a single malt scotch, right? There's very little of it. It's very mm. expensive. And to build an industry to make it is, I mean, it's like, it's not going to happen in the next 10 years. So these oh. plans to use hydrogen in your gas pipe is going to use methane derived hydrogen, which is bad. So that's the yeah. vocabulary. Steve. To the extent that it's using energy to create something that would also then be used in an energy delivery process, just kind of is the self-defeating exercise. I mean, how much more do you have to put in in order to get something out? <laughs> that's, that's right. I mean, the, the net energy gain is is tiny, right? But the, but these the LDCs, these the the companies, the gas companies, take the hydrogen and then tout it as somehow clean and ignore all the ishki that was generated in right. trying to get the well, hydrogen. You need to know how the sausage is made. Forget yeah, about that don't part. You just want this. Look over here, this shiny, clean package of Oscar Mayer. Uh, uh, so anyway, that's the vocabulary. And and they have um, they have a bunch, they have six failings in this, uh, this uh, uh, report. Executive summary, right? The two pages, they just lay out the six things. And again, not to make people's eyes glaze over, but they Basically, what they're saying is that that using this, doing the going down this path of mixing hydrogen in is going to increase greenhouse gas output. Because in order for the companies to get the hydrogen that they want to mix back into the methane, they have to use methane to get the hydrogen. So net net, you're going to have more, and and that the flow of methane, as we said, the, the issue with the methane is that it leaks out mm. of the pipes everywhere, right? right. There's leaks in that. And then the, the raw, unburned methane is terribly bad for the environment. Um, the other thing that this whole project does is that by keeping us linked to, to, to using methane, natural gas, with 10% hydrogen mixed in, right? We still have all the bad effects or 90% of the bad effects of just using methane. And those are increasingly uh, becoming increasingly apparent that they... The, it generates more particulate pollution in your kitchen than would be allowed by the EPA outside. Mm. Right? And it's just people are beginning to realize that's why these doctors are, are not very happy with it. The no. third reason they say this is a bad idea, and dear listener, you can go read all this in detail. So you don't have to like, don't, don't write it down. Put down that pencil. Don't write this stuff down right now, right? They say that if you're going to have a windmill, wind turbine making electricity, it's craziness to then take that electricity and go make hydrogen to then burn again when 
for you could use the same you know let, let's say I have a wind a wind turbine going making hydrogen you heat a house fine if you took that same wind turbine took the electricity you could heat two houses with heat pumps without going through the hydrogen so it's like you're wasting the wind turbine on top right. of everything else right so it's it's just yeah. a, a just another kind of kooky idea inefficient costly process exactly Right. And so and all the costs are going to go up because they're going to have to rework all the pipes in the streets because the hydrogen leaks more easily. So they have to fix all the pipelines, mm -hmm. which goes back to how they make money by fixing pipelines. Right. right? Um, and they stay in business by doing so, and as opposed to going out of business because they can't compete because they're not green. The hydrogen, as we said. So one of the things that hydrogen does in metals is it embrittles the metal. That is to say, the hydrogen through all, you know, you can go into all the chemistry, but it makes the iron and the steel of the pipes more brittle. That is to say, more likely to crack. Okay. So now what's happening? You're going to put this hydrogen into somebody's house that, where they've had the same stove for the last 20 years, which is already mm -hmm. kind of beat up. It's going to embrittle the, the pipes in the stove. And then you're going to have a big leak of methane and hydrogen. And the hydrogen is even more explosive than the methane. So it's, less safe right it's, i don't think i'd sleep well i'm having trouble sleeping well now never mind, yeah. <laughs> never mind in a house like that <laughs> and, and and the other thing that is very important to point out is that this plan to keep selling people methane gas even mixed with with hydrogen perpetuates enough qualities in the system in the sense that people with money are going to put in a heat pump because it just is cheaper. It makes more sense, right? right. So every well-to-do person who puts in a heat pump means there's a smaller base of users for the natural gas who have to pay for all of the infrastructure. And what increasingly happens is the, the people who don't have the money to get heat pumps, which are economically disadvantaged communities, are stuck paying more and more of the burden, burning all this hydrogen, uh, this methane in their homes. Mm -hmm. So they get the economic hit, they get the health hit, it's just an unfair way to go, especially in light of the fact that we could be doing geothermal or, you know, there's so many other ways to go right. that sure. don't necessarily support the long and happy life of the local distribution companies. So, yeah, for sure. Yes, they, indeed. They go yeah. on in the report. There's a bunch of policy recommendations, but the most, I mean, I think all the policy recommendations can be summarized in make some noise right? Complain to somebody, call, mm -hmm. your, call your state rep, call your state senator, tell them that you don't like this plan because it's for all the reasons above, right? You can just include a link to this report. Yep. <laughs> Send them the report. report. Send them the report. Yeah. In case Be an advocate. Didn't... Let yeah. them know you're paying attention. So, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that the, the, the whole question of mixing hydrogen into the methane gas for delivery to your home has so many implications uh, the, of from, I mean, it basically it stalls you on the roadmap because these these local distribution companies, that is to say, um, uh, you know, uh, Eversource and whatnot, they, they want to be burning gas in 2050. Mm. And they want to, you know, put their index finger under their chin and look up at the sky and say, oh, it's very clean. It's all very renewable, right? It's not. It, we cannot satisfy the roadmap in 2050 if we don't start getting rid of this natural gas now over the next 
20, yeah, 30 years. I think conveniently in their submissions, at least I haven't found it in you know, readers out there, if you've found any place, how doing this particular process, does it actually meet the goals of the roadmap? Because that would be key. I, aside from, okay, it's dangerous. Aside from, okay, it costs us more money. If it actually met the roadmap, that would that might be an, a piece to consider. <laughs> but I suspect all three of those are no's. It doesn't meet. <laughs> it's not in service of the roadmap. It's in service of the of the shareholders of uh, sustaining their operations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, but I mean, I, I keep coming back to the the idea that you can do something. Right. This is not uh, chiseled in stone and mm -hmm. that it's only by people recognizing there's a wrong being done and saying something now or whenever you say it. I mean, that's that's the way out. That's the thing to do to to um, we all live and learn more and more stuff. I mean, I've. I used to like natural gas. Ah, that blue flame. I always felt better because mm -hmm. I didn't want an electric, you sure. know, a, a heater. But man, uh, as you as you learn more, you have to take action, and there are things you can do. Definitely, I know you've we've spent time before, and you've switched to induction uh, devices, so you're doing a lot of cooking that way instead of with the natural gas because we know it's not natural. <laughs> I'm still on electric, and at least with the municipal agreement municipal aggregation agreement i know the electricity i'm using is wind powered so we're green that way and oh by the way we're saving money versus the competitive market so there's nothing wrong with that uh, well, it, it just just as i mean here in franklin specifically we want to be a net zero town by 2030 right mm -hmm. we are not going to be a net zero town if the local distribution companies insist on get, forcing gas into the homes right right and so it is incompatible with the roadmap and with Franklin's commitment and what are we going to do about it? Right. Uh, it's, it's take action, reach out, talk to your legislators, talk to the politicians, the DPU staff admission, follow, follow the link to provide the feedback right. and share this podcast to other listeners so that they can get the word too, as well. well that's an important thing. I mean, uh, uh, people, Podcast discovery is a tough thing, right? And you can, if you, again, dear listener, if you you want to do something about climate, you know, it's it's, it's itching it's in the back of your head all the time. What am I going to do? Send this podcast to somebody. Say, here, take a listen to this, right? It feels good to sort of spread the word. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then if you come up with a question, as we've said before, we'll say it again. We're open to questions. So if you've got questions, that may be an aspect that either we've covered in a prior episode you may have missed or in a nuance that we haven't covered yet. And we're happy to cover it because if it helps, quote, me specifically, I'm being selfish in this case, helps me specifically make some sense of climate, then, oh, by the way, it may help you and others as well. So then it's a win-win. It's not just, oh, Steve's happy. <laughs> we'll all be happy. Uh, the other source that we didn't directly talk about, but the Climate Almanac, have you had a chance to dig into that yet? I saw it is an interesting, uh, it's it's a book. I saw, I looked at the Car website. Carbon Almanac, excuse tell me. me. Tell me, tell me about it. All right. I follow Seth Godin. He's an inspiring, thoughtful, provocative thinker. 
written multiple books um, accepted as a trusted source. I trust his source. He is a spokesman person for this larger group that came up with the Carbon Almanac. The link will be in the show notes. It apparently is a book that will that is purported to, and I haven't ordered it yet because it's just being released. It's just coming out. Um, is purported to be the information that kind of what we're talking about in terms of this is the information that we can share amongst each other that tells the right story in terms of Exxon or National Grid said this, but this is the real story. This is the real science. These are the real impacts. So that we can further the discussions, there's a couple of videos there where he gives the approach. It was uh, many people. <laughs> I don't want to misquote the numbers, but a lot of people were involved. Um, they also have a website where all of their research is documented and linked to so if you really want to go get that trusted source and validate their sources, they will have the links for which you can do so. Um, so yeah, I have no issue sharing it. I haven't read the book yet. I will be pre-ordering it. I will be delving more into the website because it's really germane to what we're doing in our way. And we don't have kind of the resources that this group pulled together and They've got a whole host of sponsors, a whole bunch of names that people will recognize and others with important positions where I didn't know he was there. <laughs> but that's okay because they happen to be all concerned about this thing called carbon, which, oh, by the way, that's part of our roadmap discussion is how do we how do we get green? Yeah, how do we get net zero? Yeah, I think that's uh, uh, the a discussion a wide ranging discussion comes back to, if you look at that, you might find the thing that tweaks your resonates with you, mm -hmm. right? That people, people like, right. And I, uh, it's, 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 um, I had the chance to interview uh, a couple weeks ago, a high school student who had composed a song about yes. climate change. And it just, it was, wonderful and 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 very impressive uh young person but again this is this is one path right how sure. do you how do you how do you scratch that itch where you know something's up and you got to do something but you don't feel you know i might not be able to speak to millions but i can write a song or i can write a poem or i can write a book or i can go stand and hold a sign or i can whatever mm -hmm. right that's what you're looking for is what's your path in yeah, and we'll include the link to that in the show notes as well. I do have that on my list of things to share to the Franklin readers, listeners, um, because I think it, it was a worthy song. <laughs> it was cool. And she created it. It just, and the story of how she came to create it itself is, you know, that she was inspired. She listened and it just flowed and it, it makes a whole lot of sense. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, maybe our effort will help it pop up the chart a little bit. I don't know if we'll get to the top <laughs> 10, but at least to get up a little bit on the charts. <laughs> well, thank you for helping me make some sense of climate today. We haven't solved the world's problems. They're, they're bigger than us, but we're taking some effort at least. So, Yep, yep. I mean, that's the, that's the path. Right? That's what we're doing. That's the path. And for the listeners, as usual, we do this because Franklin matters.
We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.